Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Co-hosts Dr. Reed Hayes of the Loss Prevention Research Council and Tom Meehan of Control Tech discuss a wide range of topics with industry experts, thought leaders, solution providers, and many more. This week, Bob Maranca, NRF Vice President for Loss Prevention, joins us to discuss his role in NRF's research, initiatives, and programs, his thoughts on retail today, and where the industry is headed. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Take advantage of the advanced video capabilities offered by Bosch to help reduce your shrink risk. Integrate video recordings with point-of-sale data for visual verification of transactions and exception reporting. Use video analytics for immediate notification of important AP-related events. Leverage analytics metadata for fast forensic searches for evidence and to improve merchandising and operations. Learn more about extending your video system beyond simple surveillance in Zones 1 through 4 of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at BoschSecurity.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. Um, Today, as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime here, Tom Meehan of Control Tech, longtime retail asset protection practitioner. And our special guest today uh, is Bob Maraca from the National Retail Federation, NRF, um, and we, what we're going to do is spend some quality time with Bob here for the crime science audience uh, talking about what's the NRF up to, where, where are they now, and where are they going to support the LPAP community in the incredible uh, array of issues that are out there and the incredible speed at which these issues are morphing and changing. So, um, Bob, let me go to you and welcome to Crime Science. Thank you. Well, thank you, Reed and team, for the opportunity. And, Tom, it's nice to talk to you again, too. A lot of exciting things going on. You know, this this business is never the same day twice. So uh, I'm excited to be part of the podcast, and thank you for the opportunity. And I can only imagine. I think some of the things we'll talk about today uh, with Tom and myself and you, and that would include, you know, what are you working on now? And and just before we went on the air, you, you mentioned some of the issues that you're working on. Um, some of those things, of course, we're conducting some research on to support you all on these things in addition to the efforts that you all are making. But maybe let's go to that. Let's start there, Bob. Um, what are you mostly working on right now? Because I know you're working on a lot. Yeah, I can uh, quick give a little rundown of what, what's, what's kind of hot and what's not. Uh, we're here, uh, uh, we're, you know, MRF Protect, uh, 19, we were in uh, Anaheim, California, very successful event, a little over 2,500 attendees, and um, it's a great educational conference. I know, Reed, you, got, you guys are there, and actually, I know, Reed, you presented on stage last year, but uh, we already begin uh, planning for 2020. So NRF Protect 2020 is on our radar and we're hopefully to open registration on or about November 1st. So we're, we're getting together with our LP council. We're asking our members what's important, what's hot on their mind, what keeps them up at night. And we're creating, uh, you know, this event is created by the LP professionals and the executives or the LP professionals at every level. And frankly, um, uh, we're, we're, we're knee deep and just really beginning and looking for some brand names and brands to bring to the table. So that's kind of an ongoing thing. But one of the leftovers from last year is our National Retail Security Survey, one of the research tools that we we create, was so well received at Protect that uh, by popular demand, we're going to be doing a webinar uh, in, well, we're going to release it in October. It will be just a, uh, you know, half hour quick hit version for those who maybe couldn't attend Protect or want a different slant. We'll have to have an opening, and uh, we'll have some dialogue there amongst three um, 
three different vertical markets, executives from three different vertical markets. And so we're excited to kind of uh, put that away. So we're, we're, we're moving forward on that program. You know, LP gets involved in so many different issues, you know, man-made disasters as well as natural disasters. So we're all coming off the first big hurricane of the year, uh, Hurricane Dorian. And when those things happen, I don't know if people realize how much retail gets involved and engaged with them, but we have a great working relationship with our partners at FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Administration, and um, we they take the lead on these issues. But this, those storms impact any retailer who has, I, I call it just anyone in the path. So it's every vertical market, but if you've got, the, you're in the marketplace this time, you know, up the Florida coast into Georgia and the Carolinas, if you've got the retail outlets, or operations in those areas, you're going to be impacted. So FEMA does something interesting. They have a whole lifelines program, and we work with them on these things. They also operate the National Business Emergency Operations Center. Uh, so when we have a disaster, they flip the switch and open that up. And what that does, that gives a seat at the table to any retailer, anyone, any of our NRF members or retailer who has is going to experience the storm. So of course, Retailers have their own programs and their own plans, emergency plans to protect as they set up and prepare, and then the storm happens. But that response to get back in and reentry of people and products and, and, and electricity and power, that then gets turned over to this partnership between FEMA and the, the retail, well, the, not just the retail community, all the business community. And that's where that operations, the national emergency the National um, Business Op Emergency Operations Center comes in that FEMA operates. They have a dashboard that's 24-7 available where you can post questions and get information, and then they have, like any other incident command, you know, they have like either one or two calls a day. Usually it's, if it's not too bad of a storm or not the storm of the century kind of thing, it's about 3 o'clock every day, every Eastern Standard Time, they have a call, they listen, and they, they deal with things, issues. So. The recovery and reentry into those areas is the critical part. You know, most pe most in most people, uh, uh, most deaths and fatalities are caused by the aftermath of the storm, not the storm itself. It's usually drowning, drowning, and things like that. People may get trapped in an area, unfortunately. So it's you know, uh, there's there's seven different areas that FEMA looks at, but retail is paramount in four of those: uh, food, water, and sheltering. So the, certainly the food and water piece of it, energy. We don't do power, but we're certainly in the fuels business, right, with uh, convenience stores and fuel operations. Transportation and logistics, that's us. And um, health and medical. I mean, our, our CVSs of the world and our, our, you know, a lot of our grocery stores now have pharmacies in them. So how do you get product and, and things back into the communities? And we're part of that. It's a very robust program. I, I don't want to go into any more detail than that, but you can, you can imagine every time there's either a natural disaster or a um, we're a man-made disaster. We're, uh, we're, we're on that team, and people always see us that way, but we're there. And then more recent, unfortunately, the mass casualty events we've recently had, just looking at what happened in El Paso at the, uh, the Walmart down there, unfortunately, and then the shootings in Dayton, Ohio. You know, when those things take place, this, th those issues themselves this year triggered 14 media requests from the NRF, and I am the spokesperson, the subject matter expert spokesperson on you know, loss prevention, asset protection issues in retail. So actually we did 14 interviews in a day and a half, which was frankly 
the most I've done uh, over the last five years on a specific topic and issue because I think it's political season and, and it's just it was such high-end tragic issues. So, you know, the, 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 the reporters always want to know what are retailers doing? So NRF, uh, fortunately for us, I mean, and we've had this for some time now, and I would go back and explain how over a decade ago, NRF and the Department of Homeland Security got together and created emergency response protocols to active shooters based on the information that they have. And then we helped put kind of this re retail specific supplement for retailers specifically. To, and it's basically a guideline. Here's the things you could and should be doing. And then each retailer obviously takes that puts it into their own protocols and to, into their emergency uh, standard operating procedures. But we talk in generalities about the industry and the, the things we do, about the training and all those pieces, to let the media folks know that we're, you know, this has been going on for over a decade. I know this emergency just happened, but there's our drills going on. We work with the International Council of Shopping Centers because they have the same problems. We work in conjunction with them and all the different things that we do in the law enforcement networking that we do to help respond and help communities. Remember, and I always tell them, the retailer is a victim too. We, we are victimized at the same time that we're now trying to empower and, and, and respond to the community's needs. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword for retailers and we always answer the call. So, you know, I don't want to, I, I can go to a couple other things that we're doing, but I, I don't want to monopolize the time. But, you know, as you can see, we, we do those uh, things over time. Um, and then really, I just one more thing I wanted to add. We just uh, hosted a, um, NRF just hosted, hosted uh, the Department of Homeland Security here right in DC with the commercial facilities um, uh, uh, um, meeting uh, for the uh, re retailers and what they call commercial facilities. So that, that's, and for them, commercial facilities are entertainment, gambling, lodging, you know, outdoor events, uh, other public assembly, real estate, and retail, and sports uh, venues, because those are all areas where people gather, we bring them in, we invite them in, and we don't always have, we're kind of an open piece of that pie. So we had a whole meeting uh, here at NRF. We hosted it for the uh, DHS to talk about everything about terrorism and global risk and, and uh, mass, the mass violence, the shootings, cybersecurity issues, uh, all kinds of the, uh, the underbelly of society that we have to deal with as retailers and to keep our facilities secure and safe. That's awesome and um, very comprehensive. And I think that uh, the way you touched on it, you know, vers natural versus human-made disasters. Um, Does that make sense? It, it, it totally makes sense, Bob. And the way you articulated the difference between natural and human-made disasters is uh, right on target, it seems to me. And the fact that at NRF, you all are not only looking at the day in and day out things that need to be done with statutes and other um, legislation that we need to get better and better at uh, protecting our locations and people, but also looking at these uh, spikes that occur. And, and a big point, too, that unfortunately these uh, active assailants or shooters or killers, um, it's not <clears throat> a brand new phenomenon. We've had this for at least a decade or more. Um, but it just seems to spike, and so we're all trying to get better and better and better at it. Um, and, and all that you're doing with your conferences, I, I wanted to ask you a very quick question about the Big Show. Um, you touched on Protect uh, as we wanted to, um, but Big Show is something that's for everybody in retail, not just APLP. But but what's what's there at uh, the Big Show, Bob, for the AP or 
LP person? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, we you know we have our loss prevention council meeting there at Protect, and then we do a nice dinner with the in conjunction with the D and D Daily uh, at, right there in New York City because that's where that is. But that show is the largest um, trade show in frankly trade show, show in the nation. Uh, we I think we sell out 38 hotels. We get over 40,000 attendees. Uh, we take over the entire Javits Center and surrounding uh, venues. It's an incredible three and a half days, and frankly, uh, it's been going on for over 50 years. But um, for LP specific, you're going to find the technology. Well, Reed, you bring up a good point. You know, loss prevention, asset protection professionals, we have to know the business. We have to be able to talk to our senior leadership from our CEO on down about what's important to them. So knowing what's important to them and then understanding enough to be able to converse with them. I always say, if you get in the elevator with your CEO and he looks over at you and says, Reed, how are you doing today? And you have about a minute and a half in the elevator with him. You need to be able to talk to him about the things that are important to him and what you're doing to help him succeed uh, overall in the corporation. So we can't just stay in that LP asset protection world. We need to understand business. And later on in this, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what, 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 how um, loss prevention professionals can, can, what they can do to get better at that. But um, so I look at the, the big show as anything and everything that's going on, all the digital um, new startups, innovative technology, robotics. Uh, I've seen 3D printers there. I've, I've tasted chocolate-covered crickets as a protein. You know, everything that's anything is there at the big show. Any marketing idea, the speakers are always incredible. I know uh, Paul Ryan is going to be speaking this year, but we've had – uh, Bill Clinton himself, and we have every CEO from the major companies that you can imagine speak and talk about success and challenges. So if retail's in your DNA, I mean, that is the show to go to. Frankly, it's in uh, mid-January this year, if you just Googled um, uh, NRF Big Show. That's what it's been called forever, and this year it's about, the, the, the title is 2020 Vision, uh, kind of nice uh, way to use the 2020 uh, modicum. And frankly, uh, it is really about the current and the future. We see the changing retail uh, landscape moving to the, digi the digital world. And frankly, uh, you know, uh, more online, a little less more brick and mortar, uh, but that combination is still a winning combination. So uh, if you go to that show, you'll see everything. And again, it won't be LP specific, but you can look at it and figure where LP fits in and how you can help, especially on the cybersecurity side. It's an area that we're really growing. I love it, Bob. Know the big ecosystem, understand your business, your business within others, and now you can strategize, you can plan, you can execute. But like you're saying, a really neat point. You know what? If you got a minute or two to describe, to tell your story, or to at least express your understanding of the company's story uh, and how you're going to enable and support that, I love it. That's awesome. Let me, Tom, let me go over to you. And um, what do you got for uh, Bob Maraca of NRF? Well, first, uh, thanks, Bob, for joining. Uh, really great to talk to you. It feels like uh, uh, we only connect during events and, and these things, so it's always good to hear your voice. I have a question really about retail in general. You mentioned you know, some of the terrible events that are occurring with uh, after shooters and natural disasters. You also touched a little bit on technology. Can you give the listeners 
a little bit of insight on what you're seeing in some of the evolutions that are occurring right now, whether they be technology related, people related, what, what do you see from your, the lens that you sit behind in retail evolution right now? Yeah, Tom, it's a great question. You know, we're, I mean, we, we're, you know, LP specific issues, you know, you see some change over time, you know, article surveillance that gets better, the digital uh, cameras and, you know, AP cameras now, you know, everything's online and then the overlay of uh, analytics, video analytics. You know, I still think we're at the, uh, pref- uh, the, the beginning stages of implementing um, what I think is going to be a great tool for the future in facial recognition. You know, I've, I've been briefed enough by the companies who are on top of that and uh, some of the companies that are, that are, are beta testing issue things and, but not quite talking, you know, not talking out loud about them yet because of the privacy issues that are still concerns. But more and more you're seeing it used in casinos and uh, the hospitality industry, airports, at the Super Bowl, at major events. And retailers are, test, are testing and utilizing it. And frankly, there's so many really good success stories that I, 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 I obviously I'm not going to say who and where, but you know, a simple case of identifying a couple of suspects that are involved in organized retail crime, hitting the retailer with a quick grab and run, and they identify these faces, they're, they're, they're matched up, and then they run that, that facial uh, component through their entire system, find out that these cast of characters have been in you know, 26 of their stores. And it turns out that the, the, they they taken this and working with law enforcement. Uh, and, you know, in the old days, you'd have to put out a bola and talk to people. Did anybody see the white van and have out these three characters that looked like this and dressed like this? And, you know, that technology in a moment's notice, you run it and in, in, in sec- 10 seconds, you're getting back. Well, look, across our system, these ca- cast of characters have been in our stores so many times, then you can track back forensically and investigate and, you know, and, and, you know, the prosecutions are right there. It's almost, um, it's almost magical to see it take place. So I really think that's something on the cutting edge, you know, analytics now, uh, the, the really smart point of sale systems can talk to each other. They can do all that shift analysis and daily analysis right there in the cash register. You know, you can control things with a, uh, uh, who's using what register now with simple fingerprints so you know every transaction is taking place, who did it, who's control of the financials and the money at that time. You know, controlling your assets in ter- for the internal threat, right, for the internal misappropriations and things like that. You know, retailers have gotten better than, at that. It's funny, the National Retail Security Survey has told us uh, it's been around for 25 years, but the last four years, and I expect that will happen again next year, um, external crime. Uh, has taken the place of internal threat. The first uh, 19 or 20, 19 or 20 years, it was um, the internal risk and internal threat was the largest cause of shrink. It's now uh, organized retail crime, and I, I, I think that we we've gotten better internally with our controls and our uh, training and the logistics as well as uh, some of the technology. I think that's that's been very very helpful. Bob, you mentioned the the survey and the the changeover from internal to external. What, if any, role do you think some of the decriminalization uh, that's happening in various states plays in it? It's a great question. You know, 
Uh, I, I stay on top of this. It's about 34 states now over the last six years that have taken that felony um, threshold and moved it up. And, you know, we knew what was going to happen. As practitioners, as folks in this piece of the industry, we knew we were going to see a rise. And sure enough, you know, uh, when, it, when it was a 300 or 200, uh, uh, just to say a $300 felony limit, the individuals come in, they steal up to that amount. It's $250. In states where it was 500, people would steal 400 something. When they moved it up to 1,000, sure enough, what we saw is even the individual shoplifting incidents, you know, the lone person coming in, not the organized crime stuff, they come in and they're stealing up to six and $700 per incident. Well, they know what they're doing. They're going to take that risk, take one bite at the apple uh, and steal from you. They're going to just stay under that felony limit. It's a lot harder, to, unfortunately, to get law enforcement, and then if you do get law enforcement to respond, to get the district attorneys to pick up on a case when uh, they decriminalize. And I always find it very interesting. The Pew, stu the Pew uh, Foundation has done a study, and their research comes back and says, look, we didn't have an increase in crime. But what they're not accounting for is the actual uh, volume and the financial loss. So they say, oh, look, you know, we used to have, you know, 300 of these a month, just to say, as a, as a, if we're still having just 300. Of course, but, you know, instead of some stealing 200, they're stealing 800. So the financial loss to the industry is huge. And uh, we see it and we fight it every day when our investigative teams go out and then they work up a case and you can't even get a district attorney to take the case because it's just not, you know, high enough. The declination limit is too high. So it is a, it is a, it is a struggle. Uh, unfortunately, it's the trend, the societal trend that we're dealing with, and you know, uh, and then add on top of that, Tom. I don't know if you want to talk about it right now, but the more aggressive retail criminal, and it's a tougher job than it ever was. Loss prevention is a more difficult job than than ever, along with our friends in law enforcement and our other first responding partners. So I guess I'll ask a two-part question, Bob, because you you prompted. Um, I I would love to hear your kind of. Uh, viewpoint and what you're hearing about the more violent or more aggressive shoplifting or ORC event. And then also um, related to the NRF, what, you know, what can AP and LP professionals do with the NRF? Maybe you could talk a little bit about the ORC regional calls. I think um, I know I'm a part of uh, a few different regional calls uh, when I can be, but maybe you can shed a little bit of light on that as well as talk about the, the violence aspect. I will, Tom. You know, it's probably been about four years plus that we started first started to hear, and this is how this works, you know. This is the beauty of networking. I always say in this industry, your net worth will be determined by your network. If you're around me long enough, you'll hear me say that, but it is so true. So at the end of the day, we ended up uh, hearing all the rumors about, you know, there's a more, uh, just this more aggressive retail person, right? They're pushing people to the floor. They're coming in screaming and yelling. You should just come in, have their, their theft and run out the door. Their, their whole motive to get as much as they could and get away without being caught and or spotted by video and all those things. But it's just we saw this trend and then we followed up on it and then we started to add a question or two to the National Retail Security Survey. You know, are you seeing a more aggressive retail criminal? And to no one's surprise, I mean, the first time we asked the question, 96% of the respondents, you know, which was an outrageously high number, said yes. And I think out of that 96, I'm going to say somewhere in the area of 60 to 65% said it's a that they're much they're, they're very aggressive, you know, versus just more aggressive. So then you start to take individual account of looking at the, 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 the statistics that are really out there. 
And then, back, matter of fact, in 2017, I did a little uh, cross-survey with the Uniform Crime Reports for robberies and aggravated assaults and aggravated robberies and assaults. And frankly, the trend that we were seeing also appears in the police report, Uniform Crime Report. So it's real, it's unfortunate, and I think societally we're seeing that. You know, I'll age myself here. I lived through the 60s when you know, never trust anybody over 30, and there were uh, anti-war movements, and there was a, a, a heavy, heavier anti-authority kind of a, 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 a cultural movement. I think we're seeing that again. We see this. More police officers are being killed every year in the line of duty. It, it sickens me because I'm an actual law enforcement professional myself, and I have a lot of friends in that business. But we're seeing, I, I talk to school teachers, I talk to uh, coaches, Anybody in any kind of authority figure, they're seeing the same thing that we are. Unfortunate, loss prevention is that authority figure in the retail business, and, and we, we, we get targeted uh, even to the point of where we've had a couple of loss prevention asset protection professionals killed in the line of duty over the last three years. Um, I don't want to go into each individual event, but eight years ago, you might agree with me or not, eight to 10 years ago, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see that. You might have the assault, there's a fight, you know, people will want to get away, but uh, now they're coming in, they're macing people, they're using um, stun guns, uh, knocking people to the floor, un, you know, un, just unnecessary levels of violence and fear they're, they're, they're putting into people's uh, heads. And unfortunately, you know, it's a trend that I don't, not, and I don't see, you know, moving away from too soon. And then what you talked about, what we're trying to accomplish by our, uh, I'll talk about those calls for a minute. So at NRF Protect, we have a fusion center, and then we have a law enforcement kind of uh, investigators network. Uh, it's been a breakfast. Next year, we're moving it to a luncheon. It's been so popular. We get a couple of hundred folks in the room. They network. They talk about things that are going on, the most important things of the industry to them, because as you know, we have to count on our law enforcement partners and our investigators and our mall operators all to fight the, uh, the, 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 purge, the scourge of organized retail crime. So what NRF has done uh, through two of our executives on the uh, investigators network, it's actually Gabe uh, Esposito, let me give them credit, Gabe Esposito from Verizon and John Shim from Louis Vuitton. They took that mantle and we had to expand that throughout the year, 365 days. So what we've done, we down to quarterly calls and we took, remember I was talking, we work with FEMA. Well, they have the country broken up into seven different regions. We took those same FEMA regions and got some volunteer leads, uh, investigative leads from our retail members, and they coordinate, well, we, we coordinate the calls for them, but they lead the calls and they get speakers and they get the, and you get on these calls and they're talking about everything from, you know, uh, organized retail crime groups, uh, and they're solving crime on these hour, hour and 10 minute long calls. We let them go as long as they have to. And then uh, DAs come on and do little presentations. Our friends at CLEAR, the Coalition for Law Enforcement and Retail, uh, they're the only nationwide uh, kind of organized retail crime group. The uh, workers have gotten engaged with us. So uh, anyone who wants more information on that, please go to the NRF website and just plug in, uh, put put in, you know, the, uh, the uh, uh, Organized retail crime, organized retail crime slash investigators network calls, or email me and I'll certainly get back to you. But uh, we'd love to grow those groups. But that's a way that we've found to use the technology to our advantage to keep the spirit. And again, we don't want to take over this. We want to get all those other groups together and be a force multiplier so that we can open communication and network because that's how we're going to continue to solve crimes. So I, I, I think. Uh 
uh, we'd love to have you come back on and just talk about the violence and some of the things that you're hearing. I know that we won't have time. I've probably got a dozen more questions just based on that, but I wanted to just get circle back into kind of a more holistic question on, you know, you're in a, a unique position. Um, actually, I think all three of us get to talk to a lot of AP, LP professionals. Um, what do you think, you know, if you had some advice for a newer AP practitioner, what would it be? How could they get better at what they, they do? Uh, there's a lot of young blood, a lot of new folks in the mix. And what advice does Bob have for them? It's a great question, Tom, because, you know, the emerging leaders um, are up to, you know, all these changes. They're going to have to take on bigger and stronger and more powerful challenges over the decades. So I will tell you, one of the things you bring up a good point, one of the um, one of the questions we ask on the National Retail Security Survey, we ask them, what are the, the executives, what are the employee skills needed for the loss prevention department to be, uh, and to, to, to be successful? And those things have changed over time. You know, it used to be they like ex-law enforcement folks and they like this and that, uh, certainly investigative skills. But when you look at the numbers now, it's really interesting. And this is, top, this is uh, in order of what we were told, uh, analytical skills, right? The ability to critical think and, and do those things. Some knowledge base about cybersecurity, which is that's the second uh, skill set now we're looking for. Number three is investigative skills, which makes perfect sense. Uh, computer skills themselves, just to be able to create spreadsheets and put information in, uh, you know, uh, uh, put through an algorithm and perhaps come out the other side with some real details about how crime is taking place. This is the fifth. The fifth one I'm, I'm so excited to see finally. Emotional intelligence, or EQ, you know, the skill sets that you have and your communication skills, how you talk to people, right? I mean, that goes hand in hand with investigative skills. You know, I, uh, old police detective, when I first got hired, said these words to me, he goes, Bob, you want to be a successful investigator? Like the people that you're interviewing. Force yourself to like that. I know they're criminals and they're, you know, dirtbags and you know, the kind of really bad individuals. They've done some horrific things. But force yourself to like them, and you'll be able to make that human connection and get information. So that, and I'll tell you, it's true. And the W and Z philosophy and the Reed philosophy on the law enforcement side of interviewing all take that into consideration. So I love the fact that the number five issue is EQ, emotional intelligence. Interviewing skills for sure is on that, and then a few other things. But those are the skill sets that we're, we're now looking for. And frankly, um, go get, before you get into the LP community, get some life experience go to college, you know, you, you take up the law enforcement side of the fence, but I'm also a big believer in taking up business courses. You've got to understand how business works, you know. when I, I mean, I have an MBA, and I'm fortunate my, my second degree, I made sure I had a, and I have a, a criminal justice management, but I also got a minor in economics and business. So I'm very fortunate to, I, to understand a spreadsheet and a P&L and how this works and what's important to the, the, uh, the business units because that's who we're going to be working for. You know, every, I always say that every, every, loss, every dollar lost is a profit dollar. You've already paid for the transportation of the materials and all the overhead and the lighting and you've paid your, your consumers, I mean your um, employees. And that profit dollar, if you save that and avert that loss, it goes right to the bottom line. So. It's an important way to look at how um, the losses take place. So get a degree, 
then get engaged, and then get involved in the volunteer leadership of your company. Get involved with organizations like the uh, Wick Learners Alaska and the LP Foundation. Go get a professional certification or two, not just one. You know, continuing education is so important. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough, I was, back in my day, it was the American Society for Industrial Security, so I've got uh, my CPP there. I worked a little bit in the financial service industry, and so I got uh, my certification as a international, from the International Association of Fraud Examiners, I'm a CFE, as well as the MBA, and then continuing education. And then you go to events like, <clears throat> I'll just blow the horn for us, NRF Protect, where you're going to learn from your peers, peer-to-peer uh, -peer learning as well as what's the latest and the greatest, what's the technology. You know, we have 250 uh, of the greatest solution providers out on that expo floor. And any problem you have, you can find a solution. Talk to your peers, find out what they're doing, and then go out and educate yourself. So you've got to be constant. You've got to read everything that you can. You've got to be well-read in this business. LP Magazine is wonderful, the D&D Daily some of the other uh, things that are out there, and then work with your solution providers because they have your solutions. You've got to communicate with them so they, they understand your problem and they'll help you come up with creative, uh, creative uh, solutions. So there's my thoughts on you know, how to be a better LP professional for the future. So this has been fantastic, Bob. And um, you know, we've, we've been able in this 30-minute time period to really get a a look at what's coming up, what's here now, um, how is NRF working to support uh, the retailers, the retail LPAP uh, community, what's going on there, how to improve individually and professionally uh, to have an influence on, on uh, those around you, those above you, those below you, and so forth to make a real difference, and we appreciate it. And I think hopefully you know, um, and I want to make it abundantly clear again to everybody in the listening audience, if you will, how much we appreciate our partnership with the National Retail Federation, with Bob Maraca himself, you know, at the LPRC. And our role, <clears throat> I thought you said it really well, Bob, that um, you're not trying to own anything. You're trying to be a, a powerful part and supporter of what these retailers are trying to get done in, a, in an amazingly interesting and, and, and dangerous world. Um, and I think, you know, that's our role is to support you and support the retailers through research. That's our mission is, is research and development um, and, and our partnership and exchanging, going to each other's conferences and participating there and so forth. So thank you very much. Uh, and so on behalf of uh, Tom Meehan, the crime science team, and especially producer Kevin Tran, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. We're always looking for your suggestions uh, for crime science. Uh, Kevin at lpresearch.org. Kevin at lpresearch.org is a great way to give us uh, your thoughts, comments, suggestions, ideas, critiques, and so on. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more Crime Science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. The views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.